0: Yeah. It is Wednesday, February 19th, here in Draft Shark Studios South. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me as always, is Jared Small and Jared. I say South because I am away from Rochester. I'm down I'm pretending that it's not winter in Florida. Um, but not Separated from draft season because people are doing best ball drafts. We do have your best ball rankings up on draftsharks.com dot com now, and it's already time to start looking at ADPs and see where guys are going.
1: Yeah, and uh, I I am not south. It's literally snowing sideways right now. It's like twenty degrees. I haven't seen the sun in like a month. So other than that, though, it's it's good.
0: If it makes you feel any better, I soaked up some sun with my forehead, and I'll bring some back. Maybe share it uh, when we return.
1: I'll I'll take whatever I can get at this point.
0: And I will take whatever I can get in best ball drafts. Even though we're months out from the season starting, they're live on FFPC, they're live in best ball tens, we've got rookies available, and as we've mentioned before, it's a good time to start drafting rookies because once they actually get NFL homes, a lot of them will rise way up draft boards. We'll look at where the running backs are going so far, we'll look at where some key Rookie wide receivers are going. We're just going to do this position by position and kind Mm -hmm. of get the lay of the early draft land. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start at quarterback. And obviously, the top story quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Coming off the season he just had, he's obviously going to be the first quarterback off the board, probably by a wide margin in most places, just like Patrick Mahomes was last year. Basically, one of my few rules that I stick to through all of these is, is never draft the first QB. And Lamar Jackson's sitting 20th overall in FFPC best balls right now through about 60 drafts as of the, the time that I was checking these ADPs. I, I, I'm not even close to thinking about him at that point.
1: No. Last year, I ended up taking a decent amount of Patrick Mahomes. And you know, when I took him, it was in like the fifth round. Um, I'm honestly surprised to see Lamar Jackson going this high at this point in drafting season because you know folks drafting now tend to be sharp. Um, yeah, I think if, if anything, you could see Lamar Jackson climb even higher, like in your home league drafts when we get into August. But um, yeah, it, it would need to be fourth or fifth round before I would start to consider Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about
0: a time of year where it's mostly degenerate fantasy football players <laughs> playing these things. We're talking about FFPC drafts here where it's, you know, people that are more invested in playing this and play this stuff a lot. And yet Lamar Jackson is going is ADP is in round two. He has not made it out of round three in any of the drafts that were in the ADP info that we have here. And by the way, this ADP info comes from fantasymojo.com, so you can check it out there if you want to see the the full listing. I'm shocked, honestly, that Lamar Jackson's going that early. Like I said, I expected him to be the first quarterback and probably by a wide margin, but he's going 20th overall. Patrick Mahomes is next at 31st overall. And then Deshaun Watson is QB 3 at 56th overall. So he's
1: like three rounds behind Lamar Jackson. If you believe that Lamar Jackson is going to match his fantasy production in 2020, he honestly is probably worth a second round pick. I don't expect him to match it. For one, it was a record-setting season on the ground for Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. Maybe he repeats it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say he can't because he is, I think, a completely different player than we've ever seen in the NFL. But what I had sort of overlooked during the season is that Jackson finished with a 9.0% passing touchdown rate. That's second highest among 731 seasons of 400-plus pass attempts since the NFL merger in 1970, so... Even if you expect him to repeat his rushing production, I think he's a a very safe bet to see some regression in the passing touchdown department in 2020. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're just
0: talking about odds here, basically, and odds are that he does not pay off versus the rest of the QB field going that early in the draft. You know, Lamar Jackson was a league winner this past year, but he also was that as a you know, like QB 16 or even later in drafts. So that every year we get guys like this. Patrick Mahomes was like QB 11, QB 12. So we get these players who jump to the top of the QB board and just dominate the field. And it's not an argument for drafting that guy first the next year. It's an argument for drafting guys in that range of bottom of QB one territory to like midway through QB two. Finding the one that is the breakout star of the next year, and really more likely, just taking two guys in that range who are going to make you just fine at quarterback throughout the season,
1: right? And I think for, in best ball specifically, these you know elite quarterbacks have a bit less value than they do in your lineup setting leagues because you know Lamar Jackson's floor was was nice to have in lineup setting leagues last year, but in best ball again, you know, like you said, taking two, usually three of these you know later round guys can can really give you similar production for for much less cost and he's just
0: not likely to have the monster numbers that he put up this past season but you know we'll see so if we're not drafting lamar jackson like i said patrick mahomes is second his adp is still in the middle of round three deshaun watson is in round five kyler murray is (laughs) qb4 he's 77th overall Going anywhere in the round five to round eight range for me, I, I like Kyler Murray. I think his ceiling is high. I think QB4 is way too high for him at this point, especially when you consider that he is ahead of Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott in QB ADP.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to say QB4 is Murray's ceiling because, you know, with his rushing ability, you know, maybe he does jump into the top two in 2020. But yeah, I was disappointed to see how early he's going. He's a guy I am excited about, You know, I do expect him to take a step forward, especially if Arizona adds some more weapons for him this coming season. But there's not a lot of profit potential at that price tag. For me, the
0: most likely starting point is Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. They're 83rd, yeah. 84th overall among all players. Uh, there are 10 more quarterbacks within the next 25 players in that range. So really, that's when a lot of drafters seem to be looking to fill their QB spots. I'm happy taking two guys in that range. I, I mean, I, I could see if Deshaun Watson makes it to round six, and I don't like what else is there because we'll get to what's going to be available at wide receiver in that range. I could see mm-hmm. taking Deshaun Watson in round six, but more likely I'm looking at Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and the other guys in that range.
1: Yeah, D- Dak Prescott's sort of the first guy that appeals to me at these price tags, and it's interesting in these FFPC best leagues because there's always a massive quarterback around like somewhere between rounds – nine and 12. So by round 12, you usually need to have at least two locked in starters. So taking Dak, you know, say in the eighth round, you almost get ahead of that run, which might present more value than, you know, being forced into taking, you know, someone a couple of rounds later, just because you need to make sure you lock up a quarterback. So Dak, someone I'm definitely interested in.
0: Who else do you like in that range? Like we're talking rounds eight to 11. If you're drafting one or two guys there.
1: My early targets based on ADP, and these guys do tend to fluctuate all over the board, especially this early in drafting season. Carson Wentz right now is at quarterback 11 in ADP. He was a guy we were high on coming into last season felt disappointing and, and you know largely because of all the injuries that Philly dealt with at the wide receiver spot primarily Carson Wentz still finished quarterback eight last year you know throwing guys like Greg Ward and Boston Scott by the end of the season so he gets a healthy Deshaun Jackson back hopefully in 2020 we'll see what else they add to, to the position but I think Carson Wentz at quarterback 11 there's big profit potential with him Jared Goff is at quarterback 16 I don't know if the guy is a good NFL quarterback, but I'm not sure how much that matters when we're talking fantasy football here. And he's going to be back with the Rams in Sean McVay's offense. Jared Goff has finished as a top 12 quarterback in three straight seasons now, all three of his years on under Sean McVay. So I think, you know, he is priced too cheaply. And then Sam Darnold is the last guy, sort of the guy I've been targeting as my second or third quarterback. He's at quarterback 23 in ADP, obviously dealt with the mono situation early on last season, but over the second half of last season, over the final eight weeks of 2019, Sam Darnold was quarterback eight in fantasy points. So again, you know, another season, a healthy off season. Um, I think, you know, he's still on the upswing. So I think quarterback 23 is just way too cheap for him.
0: Yeah, I very much like Carson Wentz as a target. I I like what you're saying about Sam Darnold. I think Drew Brees, he's sitting QB 13, according to early drafting, end of round 9 ADP. I'll be curious to see if that ADP climbs now that he has said that he's returning for 2020. You know, tough to know how much that was keeping drafters from taking him earlier. I don't know that he'll climb a whole lot higher, though, because there's a lot less excitement about Breeze at this point than there used to be. But if he sticks around QB 13 range, I think he's a solid option. Ryan Tannehill, I think, is a solid target at QB 17 at this Mm -hmm. point. I mean, his outlook for 2020 is uncertain. I find it hard to imagine Tennessee moving on from him, though, unless they just like can't agree on anything and they use the franchise tag on Derrick Henry. But uh, to me, it's uh, Ryan Tannehill's most likely outlook for 2020 is that he sticks in Tennessee and at least remains solid. And then Kirk Cousins is right behind him. And I mean, he had a disappointing 2019, but he remains a solid quarterback. We saw the year before what his upside is, even in the same spot. So I think Kirk Cousins is another solid guy late in uh, the range where you're adding your second quarterback.
1: Yeah, definitely. I can't argue with any of those guys. I mean, Breeze, I think, would be my favorite among those three others you mentioned. You know, Breeze in his ten full games last season was the second highest scoring fantasy quarterback behind only Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, he, he remains much, much, much more productive at home. But, you know, that I think, especially in, in best ball, when you can just take those big games when Breeze is at home, makes him worthwhile. Tannehill and Cousins don't really excite me, but I think they're the reasons why. You wait at quarterback and you grab, you know, a few of these guys in rounds 10, 11, 12, and, and you'll be fine at the position.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, quote unquote, waiting on quarterback doesn't mean that you have to wait for your first guy and then wait again for your second. You can, yeah. there's nothing wrong with taking quarterback in round nine and 10 back to back and then you're set at that position.
1: No, yeah, sure. And, and again, I think you need to be ready to take two quarterbacks in, you know, that nine through 12 round range in these FFPCs, because by the time you get to round 13, 14, you know, you're, you're looking at guys who may or may not be starters in 2020.
0: Yeah, I agree. Over to running back.
1: We got nine running backs
0: in the top 11. Of course, FFPC, you only have to start two receivers. There are two flex spots. There's the tight end premium scoring. So it's going to change a little bit who drafters are targeting, but. We're going to see every year in best ball, we see it running back heavy, and it's certainly not going to change after last year where wide receiver scoring was down at the top of the board. Nine Mm -hmm. running backs among the top 11 players in FFPC, ADP overall. Jared, who do you think is most tenuous among those first round running backs?
1: Yeah, and I don't have any major issues with any of these guys because I I do still like getting as many of these workhorse running backs as I can early on in best ball drafts. But the one guy I'm probably staying away from at his current price is Derrick Henry. He's the sixth running back off the board right now. He's going at 108. That's um, two or three spots higher than I would take him. And it's really just the lack of receiving production still, you know, Henry last year was obviously awesome, but he did it on just 18 catches. Henry became just the third running back in the last five years to finish as a running back one on fewer than 25 catches. Now, maybe Henry's passing game role grows in 2020. I think there's a chance Deion Lewis has gone from Tennessee. That would obviously help. But I think you're banking on that happening, his passing game role growing, if you think he's going to finish you know, as a top 10 running back again. And there's just guys going behind him, like a Joe Mixon, for example, that I just think are a lot safer because of their pass catching role.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with Derrick Henry in, his, in this range, though, because of his... Uh, The boom that goes along with the bust potential here. You know, more receptions would raise that floor, but I think he has as much boom as anyone. Nine top nine finishes last season among his 15 games, including six finishes in the top four at the position. His other six games were all outside the top 20. That included four outside the top 24. So if he wasn't giving you big numbers, he was giving you small numbers. Uh, the, The low receptions are directly tied to that. I would be surprised if Deion Lewis is still on this team. He's got like a $5 million cap number and the dead cap comes way down this year if he does get cut. For Derrick Henry's outlook, I would guess at this point that he's a Tennessee Titan this fall, whether it's long-term deal or franchise tag. And even if he doesn't wind up there, it would have to be because another team clearly – is paying up for what they saw from him last year. So I think he's going to be in a good spot. I think he's likely to catch the ball more. His target share did climb in 2019 from 2018. The target total wasn't great because they didn't throw the ball a lot, but he was up to 6% about, in target share versus 4% the year before, of course, missed one game, was still just seven targets short of Deion Lewis's total for the season. So I would guess that Tennessee throws a little bit more. I would guess that Derrick Henry gets a little bit more. And I think that he's going to, you know, stay the same strong rushing force. You know, we'll see what happens with the touchdowns, but he's at least well set up to control the red zone stuff.
1: Yep, and I'm with you. I do expect Henry to remain in Tennessee. I think the Titans are going to value him more than any other team will because you know he is their offense. It, it's a run-leaning offense. I do think if Henry leaves Tennessee, it's likely to be a downgrade for his situation. But again, I'm not bashing anyone who takes Henry in the first rounds. I, I do think mm-hmm. you want these workhorse running backs. There are just a, a couple guys I'm taking ahead of him at that point in the first.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, if you look at the best ball tens so far, he's just behind Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. They're, they're all basically the same spot. In ADP, uh, it's like hundreds of a point separating them. But, you know, that just tells you that these running backs in the second half of round one can really go in any order, draft to draft. For me, Aaron Jones is the most tenuous. He looks more tenuous than Derrick Henry. 19 total touchdowns last year really boosted his fantasy line. He did so on an offense that ranked just 15th in scoring. Just 18th in yards, just 18th in yards for play. So we're used to looking at the Packers and thinking that's a strong offense. It's Aaron Rodgers. They're going to support scoring from the running back. I don't think it's the offense that we can count on to give Aaron Jones those kind of scoring chances going forward. And Jones finished just 15th among all running backs and carries, just 14th among all running backs in receptions, despite playing all 16 games. He had three receiving touchdowns, which helped boost his number. So to me, among all those guys going in round one at running back, he's just the one that I don't feel comfy with betting in that range.
1: Yeah, Jones was sort of the next guy up for me behind Eric Henry that I was going to mention here. I do think he is in for some touchdown regression. Um, he's had some trouble staying healthy, which is a little concerning, but I do still think he's a pretty good bat to finish as like a, at least a low end running back one in 2020. Jones was 11th in the NFL in rushing yards last season. He was eighth among running backs in receiving yards. So he was still producing there. So even if the touchdowns do drop off, and I think they probably will a bit, um, again, I still think he's a, he's a pretty good bat for top 12 production.
0: The next group of running backs really kind of looked sensible to me in terms of ADP. The guy who surprised me is Melvin Gordon going at running back 15. And I mean, if you look at overall his fantasy numbers for his career, it would make sense. But I have a very hard time seeing Melvin Gordon landing favorably this offseason and delivering a nice return. You know, maybe by September he makes sense as RB15. Right now, he's easily in the 20s for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gordon has feasted on volume throughout his career. He, he, for, he for his career, he's averaging four point zero yards per carry, and he's only reached four point zero yards per carry in one of his five seasons. Um, you know, he, he had a big season; he was up at five point one. That sort of boosted the career number, but he has not been an efficient runner throughout his career. So he's going to need that volume to continue to you know produce at this RB fifteen level. And for me, until we see where he lands, you know, if a team makes a big investment in him if someone like, you know, Houston, maybe, you know, I think Kansas city would be the best landing spot for him if if they sort of see Gordon as their feature back. Um, but until I see that and know that he's going to get that volume, I'm passing on Gordon at running back 15. I I have him at 21st among running backs in my rankings.
0: Yeah. I mean, in addition to overall volume, he has dominated red zone touches in in recent seasons in San Diego and benefited from playing with Phillip rivers, who has always been a higher-than-average yards-per-attempt guy throwing downfield. So it's been a good spot. I agree. If Melvin Gordon lands in Kansas City, it would be impossible not to love him there. If he lands in Houston, that would be a solid spot. But, I mean, really, any of the other potential spots is not exciting, and I would rather get no shares of Gordon and then see what happens later.
1: Yep, totally agree. The reason you're drafting him is volume, man. and until we know he's getting that volume, I think he's a pass. A couple other guys stood
0: out to me because of the volatility from where their their highest point has been, where their lowest point has been. Raheem Mostert, mm-hmm. Devontae Freeman jumped out because their range of draft positions <laughs> have varied by seven rounds. Raheem Mostert has gone as high as 302 so far. He has gone as <laughs> low as 10.04. I, I guess somewhere. Around the middle. I'm a little scared of taking yeah. 49ers running backs at this point. I would rather probably just avoid the situation. Even if the draft took place right after his huge playoff performance, I'm surprised <laughs> that Mostert went as high as round three in any draft.
1: Yeah, he he definitely been in the third round, like during that Packers game when he was, you know, putting up their record setting performance. I think some are much closer to the 10th round is where most should be going. You know, I, I have him at running back 38 in my rankings. I think there's a lot to sort out in this 49ers backfield this offseason. Tevin Coleman is actually cuttable, I, I believe, with zero dead money. If the Niners want to do that, I sort of expect him back. I mean, they just signed him. Last year, you know, Kyle Shanahan obviously is a fan of him. Matt Breda is a restricted free agent. Those guys usually end up returning to, to their team. So I sort of think Breda is going to be back. Derek McKinnon is still hanging around me. I mean, I don't even know if his name is worth mentioning at this point, but you know, there's a possibility if he's healthy, he's part of the mix. So and it's Kyle Shanahan. I don't think he's going to, you know, make most of this 300 touch guy in 2020. So yeah, at, at, you know, his ADP, his average draft position is in the sixth round. At that price, I'm passing, you know, if he gets into the ninth or tenth, I might be interested,
0: yeah, I mean maybe even in round eight, depending on what's there and what I have, I could see taking a shot because even if he's not a running back we can count on for touches with the Niners. We, we know that Kyle Shanahan running backs are good assets to have when we can yeah. just take their, uh, you know, high point games. I'll be surprised if is back. Their usage with him late in the season suggests mm-hmm. that they don't really think he's that much of an asset anymore. But, you know, that's the thing in San Francisco right now is we'll see how this whole backfield gets sorted out.
1: Yeah, and just for comparison, the the two running backs going right behind Mostert in ADP, David Montgomery and Damien Williams. I like both those guys over Mostert. I mean, Montgomery, maybe you're not excited about him. He wasn't efficient as a rookie, but I do still think he's pretty much locked in as Chicago's lead back in twenty twenty. So that gives us some safety. And then Damien Williams, kind of in the same boat as Mostert, where we think he's his team's lead back going into this coming season. Maybe they add something else and Williams, you know, drops down the depth chart, but I think Williams if he does hang on to that lead role, has even more upside than Mostert does as the Niners lead back. Yeah, and Damian Williams is now going where he should have last year, and he would, <laughs> I think, he's a good value at this yes.
0: point in the draft. And I agree. I dislike David Montgomery. I have since <laughs> he entered the draft. But I think when you're picking running backs at this point, you should be leaning toward a guy that you can feel pretty certain is going to be leading right. his backfield in touches, and that's clearly David Montgomery. I'm honestly surprised he's not going higher than this.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I think he's a, he's a nice floor play right now for best balls as like you're running back three or four. Devontae Freeman, I, I don't think I'm picking at
0: all unless he gets yeah. to like round nine. I'm surprised that he's gone as early as round three, has gone as late as round 10. Uh, he's just looks like a guy that hit his cliff last year. I think yeah. he's done
1: yep i think he's done too i mean he, I mean, he it's, it's funny to say because he, he only turns 28 in march but um i mean all the all the numbers sort of say this guy is done career low 3.6 yards per carry last year freeman finished dead last in pro football Focus's rushing grades among 45 running backs with 100 plus carries last season he was 40th among those 45 running backs in elusive rating and you know We've already heard this offseason talk of the Falcons potentially cutting Devontae Freeman. That would save them 3.5 million in cap space, so his price tag is obviously deflated from where it's been even last year. But he's a guy I'm just sort of crossing off my cheat sheet at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because you get into
0: this range and you can just take the one of the rookies who have a much higher ceiling, even though we don't know where they're going to land. And you know, maybe you end up picking Daryl Henderson, who lands in the wrong spot and has a garbage rookie season for fantasy. But I I mean, at this point, these are much better investments. And the rookie running backs are not going in unreasonable ranges. So we've got DeAndre Swift is going first among them. He's at RB20 in FFPC ADP right now. Jonathan Taylor, RB24, JK Dobbins, RB26, Cam Akers, RB35, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, RB 39. And if you look at best ball tens, Edward Tilaire is a, ahead of Cam Akers, but all these guys are likely to be available somewhere in the range of round four to like round seven.
1: Yeah. And we see this every year with these rookie running backs, especially, I think, you know, folks just aren't super familiar with them. There's that mystery of, you know, not knowing when they're going to be drafted and, and where they're, they're going to be playing their NFL football. So I think that just makes them values. We usually see these guys go higher for the most part, you know, the majority of them end up going higher after the draft than before the draft. To me, you know, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, those guys all have a chance to go in the first round of the NFL draft. And I think I'd be surprised if they fall out of the first two rounds. And, you know, a team that spends a first one of their first two picks on a running back, that guy is very likely going to be their lead back right away. So I think, I think Swift and especially Taylor and Dobbins, you know, like you said, at running back 24 for Taylor running back 26 for JK Dobbins. Um, I think those guys specifically are nice values right now.
0: Yeah. And we've even seen Taylor and Dobbins work as workhorses in the big 10, uh, especially when they're making it consistently into round four and yeah. could be available in round five or six. I mean, I could see taking either Taylor or Dobbins in every draft and taking maybe both of them in some of the drafts
1: I've done two FFPC drafts so far. And, you know, I like getting two running backs in the first two rounds, maybe looking at wide receiver in the third, and then looking to one of these rookies in the fourth or even fifth round to be my third running back.
0: And really this group and then what else is around them kind of makes this look like a running back sweet spot to me where I'm fine with taking Travis Kelsey early Uh, and waiting on running back getting maybe one in the first two rounds and Mm -hmm. then grabbing another two in this range. So running back 20 to running back 32 by the ADP that I was looking at this week on Fantasy Mojo, rounds four to six range. We're talking about DeAndre Swift as the high point here, Darius Geis as the low point, 69th overall, running back 32. The span between those two players also includes James Conner, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Kerryon Johnson, J.K. Dobbins, Philip Lindsay, David Montgomery, Damian Williams. You know, we've already talked about several of the guys in that range, but you know, somebody like James Conner was a first round pick last year. Obviously he's not going to be that this year, but... He's showed us what the ceiling is if he goes back to dominating the work there. We know what Marlon Mack can do on a week to week basis. We know what Philip Lindsay can do. We talked about David Montgomery's workload. Carry on Johnson was an earlier pick. So to me, this is the
1: most attractive
0: range of the position.
1: I think I'm not quite as high on this group as you. I agree that all these guys have the potential to crush these price tags. But I also think, you know, this rookie class how good it is and really how deep it is. You know, I think like the, these five guys we mentioned, you know, the top three and then throw in Cam Akers and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, one or two of these guys is probably going to, you know, surprisingly maybe lose their job. You know, maybe it's James Conner, Marlon Mack, on Johnson. I think you're going to have one of these rookies come in and swipe one of their jobs. So I do think there's some risk here, but the price tag is deflated from, you know, what we've seen over the past couple of seasons, especially with someone like James Conner. I think Marlon Mack even is going later than he was last season. Carry on Johnson going later. Le'Veon Bell is one guy I wanted to bring up. And, you know, he's a guy, you know, Le'Veon Bell was our first round bust last year. That ended up being a hit. And I wouldn't touch him in the first round this year, but his ADP now is in the early fourth round as the 18th running back off the board. I just think for someone who, you know is is gonna get the volume. You know whether he's whether he improves on his efficiency or not. Um, I think that volume that Bell is gonna get makes him a pretty nice value where he's going right now. If you can get him in the fourth round,
0: I almost had to cut off your mic when you were talking up Le'Veon Bell. I don't. I, I don't think I'm touching him at that point still.
1: I think a lot of people are with you, and that's why he's dropping. I don't know. You know I, I get his re- relationship with the Jets is rocky. Um, you know, Adam Gase doesn't even seem to want him on the team, but he, he's going to be on the team because you know, unless they find a trade partner, they they can't cut him because of how his contract is structured. So I just think he's going to be back with the Jets, and he's a guy who has a good shot to get three hundred touches this season.
0: I think he has a better chance of putting out a hit hit rap album than uh, putting together a truly helpful fantasy season in twenty twenty. He can do both. <laughs> yeah, I I would personally rather take a wide receiver in that range and and then dip into the running back range that I was talking about just after that. But I can certainly understand the argument for him, and especially if you are overall betting on the Jets improving with a healthier Sam Darnold. I'm I don't want to bet on Adam Gase, so I'll take pieces of the passing game that I can get much later, but I'll I'll go ahead and let you take LeVeon Bell in round
1: three. I'll take him in round three, round four. One other guy I wanted to bring up, another guy who I spent really all last off bashing, Philip Lindsay. I, to me, I, he's he's a value now. He's down at running back twenty eight in ADP. He's going in the sixth round. He followed up his thirteenth place PPR finish as a rookie with a running back twenty finish last year. Again, I don't think Denver is a team that's gonna drafted running back in the first two rounds, having Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman still there. So I think Lindsay's role is pretty safe. And I think, you know, again, he he's easily beat his running back 28 price tag through his first two seasons. Yeah. And it, it,
0: it's really important to gauge price here because there are plenty of guys that we just talked about liking that we talked about disliking last year when they were going earlier. And, you know, if you stick to disliking a player, even at his discounted price, then you're going to pass up on some value at places. So it's important to not do that when you're drafting. Yep, for sure. Over at wide receiver, we're talking about the running back sweet spot. I think the wide receiver sweet spot is close to the same range. Uh, We've got Jarvis Landry at wide receiver 31, 78th overall among all players. From that point down through Alshon Jeffrey at wide receiver 52, number 152 overall when you combine all the players. And in between those guys, we've got Michael Gallup, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, John Brown, Marquise Brown, Mike Williams, Will Fuller, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, Robbie Anderson, Brandon Cooks, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, Nicole Hardman, Anthony Miller. I mean, I could build my entire wide receiver core out of that range. I could take four players in that range and feel pretty good about them.
1: Yeah. And, and this is the same story every year. You can build numbers at your wide receiver core, you know, take four or five of these guys and you know how best ball works uh, odds are you're going to get you know wide receiver one wide receiver two production out of you know at least a couple of these guys every week so you mentioned Jarvis Landry sort of the star of this range I do think he's a big value here at wide receiver 31 he was wide receiver 12 in PPR points last year despite you know all the ineptitude and in, in Cleveland and Baker Mayfield struggles Jarvis Landry all the guy does is finish as a top 20 wide receiver he's done it in five straight years now and you know he's going again at wide receiver 31 so love Jarvis Landry a few other guys I've been targeting in these drafts Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 42 he's a free agent he's probably going to be gone from the Jets maybe that's a good thing I do expect him to get to get paid big time and probably be his new teams if not you know the clear number one wide receiver or at least you know like the 1A or the 1B so I think he's going to get nice volume Brandon Cooks we talked about him on the Dynasty um, podcast as a Dynasty buy. I think he's a redraft buy, too, at his wide receiver, 43 price tag in ADP right now. Last year was was disappointing, obviously. Broke a streak of four straight 1,000-yard seasons for Brandon Cooks. Um, he was a top 15 wide receiver in all those seasons, still just 26 years old. I think he's a good bounce-back bet, especially when you can get him at this price. Nicole Hardman at wide receiver, 47. We'll see what happens with Sammy Watkins in Kansas City. You if Watkins leaves, I think McCall Harmon's price is going to jump, you know, 15 to 20 spots from here. So I'm going to take a shot on him now when he's this cheap. And then Jamison Crowder, you know, speaking of Robbie Anderson, if Robbie Anderson leaves, I would expect the Jets to add something at wide receiver. You know, maybe even they spend their first round pick on someone like Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb. But worst case, Jamison Crowder is is a top two wide receiver in New York. He's wide receiver 49 in ADP right now. Jamison Crowder over the final eight weeks of the season that I talked about with Sam Darnold once, you know, Darnold sort of got over the mono Crowder was wide receiver 17 in PPR points. So again, I think he's a big value at his wide receiver 49 price tag. Yeah. Like the ceiling on
0: him and Jarvis Landry from a volume standpoint, but you'll notice that there are several speed guys in that range too. And if anything, the FFPC format only raises the value of these kind of deep ball driven, you know, high ceiling guys, because you only need two wide receiver starters every week. Obviously there you'll get more of the guys into the flex spots, but you only need two wide receivers. The ceiling weeks get even more important and, and even gain a little bit of value here. So you like these guys in the middle of the draft, even if they're going to give you low floor, lots of times they will give you those ceiling weeks with the big plays.
1: Right, and and if you're sort of following our strategy of taking, you know, say three higher end running backs early on, you know, those guys are going to lay that pretty high floor for you each week, and then, like you said, Mm -hmm. you are just going to need, you know, two maybe three wide receivers to get into your starting lineup for you. And if you
0: are drafting FFPC, then taking one of those early tight ends that will help with the floor: Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Um, you know, we'll get more into specific names, but it makes it easier to take those guys earlier in the draft. Before you get to that sweet spot, you're likely to have to make a decision between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, unless you're just passing on both of them. But the Bucs receivers are right next to each other in ADP. Godwin's at wide receiver six, Evans at wide receiver seven, both in mid to late round two. Evans posted the two largest single game scores between these guys last year. And yet, Chris Godwin still beat him by nearly two PPR points per game. He outscored Evans in nine of their 13 shared games. I'm taking Chris Godwin ahead of Mike Evans.
1: I honestly don't have a strong take here. I will say to me, it feels like if Jameis Winston's back in Tampa, I think that sort of favors Mike Evans just because Winston, you know, does love chucking it deep, and that's Evans' game. If, you know, the bucks move on from winston and maybe you know go with someone like philip rivers i think that would you know make chris godwin the the better fantasy bet but for now i think you know both these guys are fine picks in the second round although again i'm usually going with a running back there
0: i agree if i'm doing 10 drafts i'm not taking the same guy all 10 times i'll get shares of both but if i'm if yep. i'm picking one between them godwin has my lean right now yep beyond that range we've got DK Metcalf at wide receiver 20, Devontae Parker, wide receiver 21, Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 22, and those guys stood out as interesting to me. I'm not surprised at the love for Metcalf. That's going to be too early for me this year, though, given his situation, given he still shares the offense with Tyler Lockett. I wouldn't be surprised, certainly, if he outscores Tyler Lockett this year, but I think that's a little bit early to invest in Metcalf, in particular among those three, especially when you look right behind them, you see guys like DJ Chark. Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and then T.Y. Hilton all the way down to wide receiver twenty-nine.
1: mean yeah, you got you got Metcalf going four or five wide receiver spots ahead of Tyler Lockett, which is sort of disappointing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Metcalf outscores Lockett this season, but um, I'm not going to pay that premium to get it right now, which is disappointing because it's someone I, I want to. I want to have him my roster, but I do think he's going a bit too high right now. Tyler Boyd is the guy among this group that stands out to me as the biggest value um, at wide receiver twenty-six in ADP. You know, he he followed his wide receiver fifteen finish in twenty eighteen, you know, sort of his, his breakout year with the wide receiver seventeen finish last year. And, and I think in Joe Burrow, the Bengals are getting a quarterback upgrade. I, I sort of like that offense to take a step forward in twenty twenty. So I, I like Boyd at that price tag.
0: I mean, that, the, the offense was garbage for a lot of 2019. So it, yeah. no matter what they do, it almost has to get better. So, yeah, I, I like Tyler Boyd. and People are not going to get excited about him. We talked about A.J. Green being even lower. So Bengals pieces are not a bad investment right now. I also want to highlight T.Y. Hilton again. Wide receiver 29. So, I mean, you're paying for floor. No matter who his quarterback is in 2020, mm-hmm. you're paying for floor for T.Y. Hilton. In 2018, he was wide receiver 14. He, of course, has other finishes in that range and above. 2017 was the last time that we had Jacoby Brissett as the full season starter for the Colts. Even that season, which was basically the worst for Hilton since he was a rookie, he still finished wide receiver 27. So that's why I say you're paying for floor at wide receiver 29. His receptions per game that season were well below any other non-rookie year And last year, T.Y. Hilton's receptions per game were up from the 3.6 in that 2017 season to four and a half with Jacoby Brissett. He did post a career low in yards per target, but he also posted a career high in catch rate. So we're probably not going to get as much deep stuff from T.Y. Hilton, as many yards per catch as we got used to with Andrew Luck, if Jacoby Brissett is still the quarterback, but we'll get efficiency from him. We'll get scoring opportunities for him. We'll get a good player whose ceiling is way above um, mid to low wide receiver three range. And, you know, if we do get a quarterback upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, then Mm. even better.
1: Yeah, I have some concerns with T.U.I. I mean, he turned 30 in November. He's missed eight games now over his last two seasons so I think especially for a speed guy like him it's possible we're sort of starting to see the end here but I do think those risks are sort of baked into the price tag and if he does bounce back and have you know one more big season he could easily easily crush this price so he's not a guy I'm like you know targeting aggressively but at wide receiver 29 if if he's sort of sitting there and is atop top my rankings I'm fine taking a shot on T.Y. I feel like he's going in a range where even if
0: you aren't excited about anything in Indy, you're like, all right, fine. I'll take T.Y. Hilton. Yep. If you guys are going to make me do it. Yep. That's fair. Wookie. Wookie. So, uh, <laughs> Chavaka leads the Wookie wide receiver group, but the rookie wide receivers, a group that Jared's been digging into lately, are uh, obviously going to be going later than the rookie running backs. Jerry Judy's at wide receiver 38 overall. He's going the highest among the group. CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver 40. Henry Ruggs, wide receiver 53. And then T. Higgins all the way down at wide receiver 60. So, again, guys aren't going too high. You don't have to invest too much. Jared, what do you think of this group so far?
1: Yeah, and Judy and Lamb are the clear. I mean, you, you won't really find rankings anywhere. that don't have Judy and Lamb 1-2. And they are the two first-round locks, I think, They're both good bets to come off the board in the first half of the first round. So, sort of like those first three running backs we talked about Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift, I think Judy and Lamb are pretty safe bets to end up going higher in drafts, you know, higher in ADP once they're picked. I think, you know, the Jets and the Raiders stand out as two teams that could be pretty solid landing spots as far as target volume for these guys so judy and lamb i'm definitely fine with where they're going they might even be you know guys you want to target because again i think they're going to end up going higher um these other rookie wideouts you know they're you know henry Ruggs is a pure speed guy t higgins from clemson they're going late enough where they're okay two other guys i wanted to mention that you can usually get with like literally one of your last few picks kj hamler out of Penn State is sort of like the discount Henry Ruggs to me. I think Hamler might run even faster in, in Indy, you know, in the 40 than Ruggs does. And then Brian Edwards, if you're if you're a fan of like market share and, you know, guys who produce as young guys in college, Brian Edwards out of South Carolina is going to be someone you like. So I would just jot those names down as uh, two wide receivers to potentially target, you know, again, in like the 25th, 26th round.
0: Yeah, and obviously the later you get, the more attractive it is to take somebody with with really any discernible upside, and speed guys especially can find an easier path, you know, depending on where they land, to early usage, and they're more likely to get those big plays that just turn a two-catch game into something useful for fantasy. Definitely. I am surprised among the veterans that (laughs) Brashad Perriman is not a little higher. He's wide receiver 58. His highest point has been in round 10 so far, so... I was heading into best ball season expecting to not draft Brashad Perriman at all. But, I mean, if that's all it costs to get him, I'm fine with taking Brashad Perriman in like round 11, round 12.
1: Yeah, I can't argue with that price at all. And I'm also surprised he's not going higher. I'm super curious to see, even more so than where Perriman lands, what kind of contract he gets. Like, how is the NFL valuing this guy because you know he was obviously a total bust in baltimore started to flash a couple years ago or was it three years ago now in in cleveland and then obviously you know came on for the bucks especially over the second half of last season so again i think the dollar amount that he gets on his next contract is going to tell us a lot about how big a role he's going to play for his new team but uh, like you said at at the widers here 58 price tag another guy i I think Perriman, once he signs and once we know where he's going to be playing more likely than not, he's going to end up going higher than that in drafts.
0: Yeah. So I'm fine with taking him now. If he climbs, I'm going to be less interested. I think most likely he regresses from his late season blow up, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's also the chance he's just a few years into his career. Maybe he's finally getting it. Maybe he does yeah. turn into a decent wide receiver. So if I can take him at the bottom of wide receiver five or top of wide receiver six range, I'm okay with him there.
1: Yeah, and it is a pretty thin. Free agent class at wide receiver, especially if Amari Cooper ends up, you know, re signing or, or getting the franchise tag from Dallas. Um, so, you know, that, that's only going to help what Perriman garners on the open market.
0: Over to tight ends, the values I think, you know, we all know the top guys. I don't think there's yeah. really much sense in talking through them that much right now. The values I think start in the bottom of tight end one range. We've got Noah Fant at tight end 11, we've got TJ Hawkinson at, t- at tight end 14, David Njoku at tight end 18, Eric Ebron and Blake Jarwin down way into tight end two range and even beyond. I think those Eric Ebron and Blake Jarwin are two guys that I could see taking shares of in
1: every FFPC best ball draft at this point. This is as deep as the tight end position has been in a long time to me. And, you know, in FFPC with the tight end premium scoring 1.5 PPR for tight ends, I do still like getting one of those top guys. But even even, you know, if you take one of those guys, I think you want to get one or two of these, you know, third, fourth tier tight ends, these young guys that, you know, I think are on the ascent. Um, I like all those guys you mentioned. I would add in Mike Gasicki, who is at tight end 13 in the eighth round. Curious to hear your thoughts on him. But I I think he's the real deal. I'm buying into him. And then Johnu Smith at tight end 17 going into the 10th round. I think there's some volume concerns just because Tennessee is such a run heavy offense, but man, every time Johnny Smith gets the ball, I'm impressed by him. You know, a young guy, I think, you know, his role should grow going forward. We'll see if it does, but I think he's definitely worth a shot at his current price tag.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with both of those guys. I have trouble highlighting Jeseki if TJ Hawkinson's behind him because I would much rather take Hawkinson. I just think he's a better player and probably mm-hmm in a better situation. We'll see what that Miami situation looks like heading into this season. Yep, that's fair. To me, Eric Ebron, there's nothing to get excited about with Eric Ebron other than the fact that he's tight end 21 in ADP right now. And that's really it for me. I mean, the guy has played like starter level snaps now for both of his teams. He is a free agent. So I think it's probably unlikely he lands back in Indy. But down at tight end 21, I don't care about his outlook. He, he's going to land somewhere where he has some role. And we know at the least he's an athletic guy who saw a decent amount of red zone usage with the Colts.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that he is a free agent is what's keeping his price down right now. So we'll see where he lands. I mean, it's it's obviously a good free agent class with Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper also being available. But, you know, Ebron, I think, is, is the clear number three there. So I, I do think wherever he ends up, he'll be signing there to play a pretty big role in the passing game. So I think he's another guy where once he signs, his price tag is probably going to climb. And Jason Witten might be joining that free agent class, which is why I think Blake Jarwin is worth an investment down at at
0: tight end 26, going mid 14th round in ADP. And again, this is in tight end premium scoring. I mean, we could see a month from now, Blake Jarwin being worth picking at like tight end 16 as the likely starter for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, he's a great target. I, I I think people are sleeping on him just with the, the Jason Witten, you know, news, not, not being official yet, but it sure seems like he's not going to be back in Dallas. We'll close this out with the kickers and defenses. I mean, you have to pick
0: them. Obviously they're not going to excite anybody, but kickers are starting to come off the board right around the round 13, round 14 turn Harrison Butker leads that group in ADP. I would probably be more inclined to jump in on the earlier kicker picks right now in FFPC drafts because at this position, it's really gonna to be tough to know this early in the year who beyond like the top ten guys is actually gonna stick on their roster.
1: Yep, I'm definitely targeting kickers before defenses in these FFPC drafts. I want three of both, you know, in the best ball and 28 rounds, you can definitely you can definitely afford to, you know, use six roster spots on kickers and defenses. Sort of like a quarterback, I you mean, know, in all these FFPC drafts, there are massive runs on both kickers and defenses. So whenever those happen, and it does vary more than it does a quarterback from draft to draft with kickers and defenses. You'll know when it's starting because, you know, you'll see eight kickers come off the board in the span of, you know, 10 picks. So just make sure you get at least two and really three. And yeah, like you said, there are maybe 20 kickers right now who seem pretty locked in as, you know, their team starters heading into 2020. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get three of those guys.
0: And I think kicker is the one position where when a run starts, go ahead and get one. You know, other positions you can say, all right, I'm going to wait out this run and then I'll take some value there. It's just going to dry up at kicker. So you can't wait out that one, at least with defenses. We know there are going to be 32 of them. And, you know, it doesn't really matter that much which ones you get, uh, but kicker it does. And I I wouldn't even be, I wouldn't be scared to take four kickers at this point in the year in a Mm -hmm. 28 round draft, just to make sure that I have guys that are actually going to be on rosters.
1: Yeah, it, it makes you safer at the position. It you know takes away depth for the other teams in our league, so maybe a couple of them get get left out. And, and yeah, I agree. Like you said, with defenses, you know, I, I tend to try to just make sure I lock up three. But you know, usually, even if when you get into the twenty fourth, twenty fifth round, there's a couple stragglers at defense. You know, hanging around, you can you can just lock up to to get three of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the bottom third of the de- team defenses are likely to give you four starting weeks throughout the year. So that's that's all you're looking for is having enough to get a starter week every week. Of course the 49ers are the top in ADP. They're going middle 15th round. That's a sensible spot. I'm never going to be the one that takes the top defense because I will let somebody else it's 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 not going to be the top scoring defense the next year. It just it never happens. There's never the same fantasy defense leading scoring one year and then the next year. So just wait until they start. Take three of them. Make sure to get three before the draft ends.
1: Yep, that's what I do. I usually wait till you know, six, seven, eight defenses are off the board. And and then I start looking at that position.
0: Yeah, and at that point, I think doubling up, you know, like taking them with back-to-back picks can make a lot of sense as well. Yep, for sure. That's going to do it for our first ADP check of the 2020 drafting season. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see Jared's early best ball rankings Uh, Jump into some drafts yourself on myffpc.com. They're constantly filling over there. We will certainly continue with our periodic checks on adps as we get further into drafting season we're also though on the cusp of the nfl scouting combine as well as the start of our annual dynasty prospect profile series so make sure to keep an eye out for those on draftsharks.com they're going to start flying at basically a rate of one per day after the scouting combine you can also find us on twitter we are at draft sharks jared is at smola ds i am at shop ds that's s-c-h-a-u-f for jared small and the rest of the DraftSharks sharks crew i'm at Shout saying thanks so much for someone with us